0: RomuMu.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit JcastNetwork.org. I want to talk tonight about about scars. I want to talk tonight all of you about the unavoidable, the inevitable, the expected, the predetermined, the I'm not surprised scars. Little ones, small ones, right? Medium-sized ones, big ones. The ones we hide, the ones we cover over, the ones that only we know, and the ones that others see too. Of course, it's on my mind in, because, as I kind of alluded to earlier, and maybe some of you saw our 18-month-old got his first real boo-boo this weekend. I was hoping to have a quiet Shabbat morning off from being on. And five minutes after I woke up, Or was uh, kind of, you, I mean, you all know this. If anybody has been around little kids or has little kids or cousins and nephews and whatever, he's just learning how to walk. So he kind of, he just he's just doing it. He just does it. He just runs and runs faster than he should be running. And there are things like carpets, and they trip, and he tripped, and within a second, he went from happy to bleeding from his forehead. And so, thank God, six stitches later and a full day later, he is so happy. He's good, <laughs> and we can breathe again. We got. It. It's like, okay, hopefully that's it, right? We, that's the one. And each of them have their own little towel. Has one above his eye, and Bear has one on his lip. And so, these little scars, these little. Because I, of course, as dad, I'm thinking, you know, first, of course, I'm thinking, Is he okay? And then I'm thinking, okay, that perfect face, you know, that perfect face. i got to worry about the skin and the closing and the, should I get the right cosmetic surgeon, make sure it's not just a butterfly? I mean, it's, it's a big deal, right? It's right there in the top of his front, Everybody can see it. What's he going to think? Those little moments, those wounds, which are inevitable, and they happen, of course, as children, and how they are handled in the moment is so precarious, right? I mean, one of the most amazingly heavy things as a parent is recognizing, as I did when I was very young and then in my 20s, certainly when I am awakening about the drama of the gifted child and the drama of what childhood is for us. That original title by Alice Miller was Prisoners of Childhood. The power of our childhood to impact who we are in the present moment and as a young man, a young adult, thinking about all of the antecedents that went into my moment to moment, all of the therapy, all of the... mm, And then there you are as a parent, right? And you're thinking each and every one of these moments might be... You know, coming out of the trust fund on, on the couch somewhere, right? Every single moment, the gravitas, the intensity of what it is to be a parent and how your choices and your reactions and how we are with this tabula rasa, with this empty slate, can set this child up for success, for happiness, for satisfaction, for an alignment with the world that is healthy and well-adjusted or the opposite, God forbid. And so it is intense to be a parent. And how we handle, how we, 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 how we nourish, and how we heal the inevitable small and big traumas of a childhood. Not the ones that are inflicted, but the ones that we have no control over. We bring our past with us. And as Faulkner wrote, there is no past, right? The past never dies. We bring it with us to some degree, in some shape or another. And if there is something true that we have experienced in our own lives and we have seen out in the world, the things that are unresolved in the past don't go away. We can't just sweep it under a rug imagining at one point it'll just work itself out. Those small moments where trauma is handled either poorly or well, where a wound is either bandaged correctly on every level or botched has a deep impact on us individually, socially, culturally, nationally, globally, we ooze the secrets that seep from lives and pasts that have not been well met. We ooze those seeping secrets from every pore of our lives, from our families, from our work, from our relationships. We didn't need Freud to teach us that, and you don't need me to remind you of that. But it's on my mind and heart. And so I want to ask the Torah to give me some wisdom here. Because the Torah tomorrow morning is going to tell us about a man who knew a thing or two about scars. The Torah tomorrow morning will tell us about a man who knew a thing or two about bringing the past with him into the present. The Torah tomorrow morning in every synagogue around the world will tell us a story of the middle child of the great triptych of patriarchs, Abraham and Jacob, and right in the middle, the sandwich known as the Isaac Sandwich. Isaac, that long yearned for child, that child who was the inheritor of the great charismatic founder's way, that child suffered at the hands of his patriarch, of his father, bound to the altar, brought up in chapter 22 of the book of Genesis, and almost slaughtered, lost his loving mother, was estranged from his brother, Yishmael, was healed by the great woman, Rebecca, whom we mentioned last week, and then has two children of his own. And of course, it catches up, doesn't it? It catches up because what we deny will always find a way. And so as... Isaac becomes not the inheritor of the way, but the one who gives the way. The way of his father to his children, Jacob and Esau. It comes out. In the beginning of chapter 27, tomorrow morning, And it was when Isaac became old, his eyes became dim. Isaac's eyes became dim. A really unimportant piece of information for us to know the status of his eyes and i've spoken about this earlier in the shul over the years essentially isaac is blind and the rabbis who live a couple thousand years after this story is written down say why must the Torah tell us that isaac became blind one answer is very obvious because it actually serves the plot line because isaac's blindness will what everybody what is isaac's blindness set up the ruse between Jacob, right? Jacob will be able to deceive his father because his father can't see him. So Isaac, who wasn't really seen by his own father, that's a whole other conversation, but he wasn't really seen, will not see Jacob. And that will also serve to allow him to deceive Isaac. Isaac will be deceived. But a radical reading that Aviva Zornberg has brought, and I've shared with many of you before, is, not, is from the Midrash, Tanhuma. Where the Midrash says that it wasn't that Isaac became blind in order to serve the plot line. Isaac became blind, from having seen. His vision and what he had seen was what inevitably blinded him. He had a delayed reaction to the trauma of being on the altar. His delayed reaction in the Midrashic mind, in the mythic mind, the angels who stood above the altar as he was about to be sacrificed, their tears, the tears of the angels were what blinded Isaac. The tears of the angels who witnessed the abuse. The blurred boundaries. The inappropriate touch. The violence. The objectification. The usage of that child for something other than its perfect, infinite beauty. The angels cried into Isaac's eyes. And Isaac in a relayed, a, de- a, a kind of delayed reaction isaac becomes blind it's not uncommon in ptsd and in trauma work for the effects of what happened early on to take a very long time to come out it's not uncommon For the eyes to be the first thing that are affected by a vision that is so horrific, so painful, so difficult that we shut down children who are at a very young age have no other defense. So they say, I wish it weren't here. I don't want to see it. And so what Isaac in his eyes denies become the lies of Jacob and the cries eventually of Esau who doesn't receive a blessing That denial here becomes the lie here. That deny in the eye becomes the lie and the cry. They are intimately and intricately interwoven. And the Torah wants us to know that tomorrow morning. In order for us to know a way out. And the way out is the way of truth. The way out, the Torah wants us to know, is that nothing heals till it becomes what it is. Nothing heals till it becomes what it is. Nothing heals till it becomes what it is. Nothing transforms until it is what it is. And apply that in your life. Apply that in this country. How horribly painful it is to see week after week after week people coming out and telling stories that nobody here is that surprised by, but that finally someone is saying it out loud. That heals. There's a part of me that wants to say it each time it happens, I want to say, oh, it's so painful to watch, but it's so necessary to happen. To say the truth. We are told in our tradition over and over again that God's signature is truth. To speak the truth is in that moment to be like God. To say it as it is. No BS. So here we are. Here we are at this pivotal moment where sanctuary is what is at the heart of this question. Where is it safe to tell the truth? Where can we make it safe for others to tell the truth of their experience? And where can we ourselves find and locate within ourselves the ability to be honest with ourselves about what it is that we need to say, that we haven't said, that we've never allowed ourselves to know in a new way? Isaac tomorrow morning is a cautionary tale for each and every one of us. And in a deep reading of a Hasidic master who said, you know when the Bible says that God visits the sins of the Father onto the Son for generations, one Hasidic master said, that's great. That's great? The sins of the Father onto the Son for generations, that's great? Yes, he said, because when it comes down through the generations, each one can say, it's my turn now to fix it. The buck will stop with me. In my family, in my relationship, in my workplace, in my society, in my culture. It won't go past me. I will stand in the breach for what's true, for what's honest, for what's safe, for what's accurate. I will make it safe for us to heal the lies and the the denies. It's so alive for me, obviously you can feel it in my body. I'm, I'm speaking it from a deep place with all of you. I'm speaking in a dip, deep place because every time I read Isaac's story, I feel my own story. Every time I read Isaac's story, I think about my own childhood and the things that I brought with me that had to be healed for me to become the person I am today. The legitimate suffering that Carl Jung spoke about, that all coming to consciousness can't be Without suffering, suffering is inevitable. But we can go through it. Not around it. We go through it. We follow the lead of great people like Colin Kaepernick. Who are willing to kneel for the truth. We follow the lead of these women who are standing up and standing out and speaking the truth. And holding people accountable for these egregious, egregious immoral acts. We hold our leaders to these truths, regardless of where they are. That power has responsibilities. These are all great moments for our country. They're shameful moments, but there's healing here. It's deeply personal for me because at this moment in the Jewish community a community that is invested millions of dollars in creating safe sanctuary spaces free from terrorism and, God forbid, anybody who is in the boycott, divest, sanctions movement, these institutions have not yet even signed on to sanctuary pledges that would ensure that immigrants and others would be safe in their homes. These institutions that haven't yet ensured that children are safe in their institutions by having done trainings... To identify and heal, we gotta rise to this moment. Because it's here and it's true. So, what are we gonna do? Hide? Deny that it's not here in our own hearts and in our own communities? No, that's not my way. I don't think that's your way. We've gotta have the courage to go through, we have to have the courage to speak. We have to have the courage to not look aside and not allow our eyes to be blinded by the tears of angels who rise above and say, We can do better. One rabbi once said, I'm only human is the greatest alibi. I'm only human. We're only human, it's true. We make mistakes. But Carl Jung once wrote, and he said it so beautifully, he said, those who look outside are dreamers, but those who look inside wake up. Those who look outside are dreamers, and those who look in wake up. This is a waking up moment. And I'll tell you what, here's some news. All of you are up for it. You wouldn't be here tonight if you weren't. You wouldn't resonate with the truth of these words on some level if you weren't. Each of us has work to do. Each of us has a contribution to make. Each of us can bring a little bit more light into the worlds and the small circles that we live in. Let's be honest. Let's be true. Let's make it safe. The buck stops here.